Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Welcome to another episode of the Against All Enemies podcast. We are happy to be here with you. I'm Justin Mears, the moderator of the podcast, if you will. And today we'll have Kayla uh, kind of repping Army for us. And then Scott um, covering the Air Force B for us. And I'll be the, the Navy guy this time. I mean, I am a Navy guy, but I'll fill in for Austin. Austin's off coaching AAU National uh, Volleyball Tournament and probably you know, dominating because he's won like two state championships in the past couple of years. And he's really, really good at coaching volleyball and doesn't, is very humble and doesn't want to admit how good he is at coaching volleyball. So his team's really good. Um, so he's off doing that. And he was like, he was an All-American at Navy in club volleyball. So once again, he's just kind of a modest guy uh, and doesn't, doesn't let people in on that. But um, he's off doing that. So we're going to, we're going to kick it off and we're going to talk, uh, we're going to We'll, we'll announce, for us, it's announcing our the award winners for our end-of-year awards, but by the time we get this edited and out, it'll we will have already announced it on the site. But uh, last week, we conducted that, did, did uh, some fan voting on Twitter and on our site, on our polls um, for some different awards that we came up with for end-of-the-year awards across all of the service academies. Uh, so we'll go through those. We'd already gone through the nominees and discussed kind of a breakdown of each one last time on the podcast. So we'll give you the winners, and then Kayla and Scott love to get any just quick kind of rapid fire thoughts if you have any on maybe things that uh, you would have, you know, if you want to kind of stick up for somebody that didn't win or whatever or surprises or things like that, whatever. Um, and then after that, that kind of wraps up 2018-2019 season and we're going to roll into our football heavy uh, part of the podcast from here on out through, you know, into into fall camp and into reform and football season starting uh, and no better way to do that than to have one of the three head coaches for one of the three service academies on our podcast this week. Uh, and we were privileged, or Kayla was privileged, to have the opportunity to sit down with Coach Jeff Munkin uh, of the Army West Point Black Knight football team, uh, head coach of Army, and kind of get a, a rundown of, of where Army stands post-spring, get some thoughts on the upcoming season and facing Michigan, um, and just the, the challenges that they're going to have replacing a bunch of people, including losing their defensive coordinator, Jay Bateman, to North Carolina, and so it's a really good discussion. Um, you know, if you're here for for the Munkin discussion, I don't blame you. But uh, but after that, we're going to talk Army and Air Force and moving to the AAC potentially with the announcement that UConn is joining the Big East. So that's been the big news over the past four or five days. So uh, come back after the Munkin discussion and interview with Kayla because that's going to be a hopefully a lively discussion and I kind of wish Austin was here too for that part because I'm, I know he has some opinions on that um, but but I'll fill in on the Navy side so we're ready to go ready to kick it off yeah lots to talk about oh yeah all right so let me just give a quick rundown then of the of the award winners and then you guys just we'll get some rapid fire real quick so we had uh, we ended up with I think seven categories so I'm gonna go kind of 
uh, I don't want to say like lowest to highest. That's not the right way to look at it. But um, we're going to start with kind of games and upsets and championship performance and work our way up to the individual athletes of the year, coach of the year, team of the year type thing. So um, upset of the year, we had Air Force men's soccer over number nine Denver in the NCAA second round, Army lacrosse over Loyola in the Patriot League semis, Navy water polo over number 15 Cal Baptist, um, Army hockey over Mercyhurst in the AHC tourney, and Air Force baseball over ECU. Uh, and upset of the year was overwhelming uh, victory for Air Force men's soccer over number nine Denver in the NCAA second round. Um, and I don't know, you guys can share what you voted for if you want, but I, I voted for that. It was uh, overwhelming for us as contributors, and then they also won the AAE site poll. So um, they, they, they pretty much ran away with that one. So we have Air Force men's soccer there for upset of the year. For game of the year, um, I'm not going to run down all the nominees. That's going to take forever. So I'm just going to go with, with who won. So game of the year, uh, and once again, in a very, very decisive fashion, um, Army football obliterating Houston in the Armed Forces Bowl. And we even had some debate going into that category. Do we put that game there? Do we put the Oklahoma game, even though it was a loss, but that was Oklahoma, and they took them to overtime? We ended up going with Houston, and I think that was the right call, and they ended up uh, winning that pretty handedly. And, I mean, they won that game 70-14 to 14 and got got uh, Major Applewhite fired. So, um, championship performance. This was actually the closest uh, closest call. Um, it was pretty much an even split between the site and Twitter and uh, our contributor poll. For our contributor poll, we actually had Army Men's Lacrosse Patriot League Championship uh, with uh, one more vote than anybody else. But when you count in the site, the site poll, Air Force Rifles, Na- Air, Rif- Air Rifle National Championship, uh, and Navy Volleyball's Patriot League Championship over American, which had never lost a, a Patriot League tournament game on its home court um, prior to Navy upsetting them in D.C. Uh, they split the fan vote, and they pretty much had split the final, you know, the contributor vote as well. And so uh, I know we had talked about it on the site. I just can't do it. You know, we had kind of been like, oh, well, I, I'll have a the tie-breaking vote, um, but I already voted once in the in the vote. So that's kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to be shady about our voting. We got enough shady voting going on in this country, so I don't want to be shady about our voting. Um, so I'm just going to call it a co champions, at least for right now, on the podcast. Uh, Air Force Rifle, Air Rifle National Champions, uh, and Navy Volleyball with an impressive Patriot League Championship victory, no doubt. Um, I voted Air Force Rifle because they won a national championship. If you bring home a natty and you're the only team across the three service academies to actually bring home a natty for the year, uh, that's hard to top as far as championship performances. So. Um, team of the year uh, no sorry that's going to be our last one coach of the year uh, also a pretty close vote it was actually if uh, Paco Labrador for Navy Volleyball if he would have gotten eight more votes on the AAE site he would have actually won this but uh, he didn't and him and Jeff Munkin split the two fan votes and Munkin had had won 50% of our um, contributors so Munkin ended up pulling away and winning that um, but it was pretty close so Jeff Munkin who we're going to hear from in a few minutes with Kayla, was coach of the year last year for the 11-2 and two Army football team. Uh, female athlete of the year, I thought this was um, the the toughest to pick. Uh, did y'all feel the same way? Yeah, definitely. We had a lot of good, we had a lot of good competitors. And then writing about it afterwards, I was just like, oh, this makes voting even harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, see, I initially thought it was a tough decision, but then, but that was because we talked about it before I actually saw uh, J.C. Smith run in the national yeah. championship and seeing her actually run on that stage, it really set it over the edge for me. And I was like, this is just crazy. Seeing all these other girls who are going to go 
professional and probably have Olympic aspirations and the fact that she was able to compete on that stage with them and she led the race for half the race yep. basically uh, that really just pushed it over the edge and she, she was yeah, impressive. I mean I voted for JC as well and but then you know I thought I thought about it some afterwards I still I think that that was absolutely the right decision uh, you know we had well Jackie Brad ended up getting dropped because we had to go down to four for the Twitter poll which is crazy that she didn't even make the kind of final cut but Kelly Larkin obviously was named and uh, you know, a lacrosse All-American. Um, and then J.C. Smith won four All-American awards this year, which obviously is four this year, but five total in her career. Um, and then Madison Hovern, you know, a double-double machine. And so that was just a tough competition. And I thought, you know, well, I mean, J.C., she's cross-country and track and field, so she's had a ton of opportunities to, to perform. And Austin kind of on Slack made that – he made a very good point very quickly – she did. She obviously, she obviously had more opportunities to be an All-American. Kelly Larkin was an All-American too, but she only had one chance. But she also made the most of those. Like you have to actually, you know, compete and, and perform well in the race in order to do that. And to do that f- to four times in one season, I mean, that's pretty impressive. So, um, male athlete of the year was a run runaway. Uh, you, Scott, you said you did not vote for Tucker Bowen. You believe you voted for Noah Song, right? I do think I voted for Noah Song. Um, like I said, I really drank the Kool-Aid that you guys were kind of feeding me all year. <laughs> I um, agree. <laughs> but, it, but if I didn't, and if I did happen to click Tucker Bone, then I will say, I just to back you off, because I know this is always a Noah Song love fest, <laughs> I mean, that, that little one next to his 11 on his record, that hurts, and especially against Army. So that's the only thing that I will say. Kayla, was it you? Did you vote for Tucker Bone, or did you vote for Noah Song? <laughs> no, I voted for Noah Song. Okay. <laughs> All right, maybe I did, but I in my heart, I think I voted for no. You know, it's funny because we ended up with 12, 12 votes total. So we had eight contributors, so eight votes. We tried to keep it, you know, um, one vote per contributor, obviously. And then we gave two votes to each a, to the AE site poll and two votes to the Twitter poll. So we ended up with 12 polls. 33% of the vote went to the fan vote and, you know, the other two-thirds went to us. So it's really funny to me because Noah Song got all but one vote of the contributors and he won the – both fan votes. So you bring that up, Scott, the, the, the one loss. Well, the final vote tally was Noah song 11 Tucker bone one, which is, which was Noah songs win loss record. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. It adds up the writing yeah. on the wall. So Noah song one, that was the most dominant win of any of them. Um, and, and that's even, I mean, and Johnny Serdick obviously had a tremendous year too. So that's, um, that's saying something, but yeah, he, he, he ran away with that one. All right. And that brings us to team of the year, which, Maybe I shouldn't have even saved that for last because it was also a, a runaway um, Navy women's lacrosse kind of snuck in and won the Twitter poll. But otherwise, um, you know, almost all seven out of the eight contributors and then the AAE site poll went to Army football. And I don't know. I don't have any beef there. I mean, that's they went 11-2 and two and won the Commander Chiefs trophy for the second year, finished in the top 20 in the country, obliterated Houston in the in the – uh, Armed Forces Bowl. So that's where we ended up. So that kind of ran down that. I'm kind of tired of talking. Do you guys have anything that stood out, anything that you thought was um, you had beef with or just surprises or anything like that? Um, I I didn't. I would say the only thing that I would have liked to have seen a little bit closer, I would have maybe liked to have seen Kim Gidley go a little bit higher in the coaches' poll. And that's not a knock against Jeff Munkin by any means. Um, but I just think that 
you know, he's been on, he's been kind of holding a steady course for the last few years. And if we're just going on one single year performance, I think that what Kim Gidley was able to do, given all the factors, a young team, uh, the types of teams that they do play, I think it maybe would have given me a little bit more. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the vote. But other than that, I think it was all across the board very well done from from everybody. Agreed. I didn't really okay, have yeah, any, any, too, any uh, too many surprises. No, not really. I thought it was interesting to see just the fan vote a comparison um, to us, especially because we also did the Twitter poll. Um, so I just thought that was fun to see. But I pretty much saw all of my personal votes reflected in the winners. So no problems here. So yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I I felt you know pretty good with. There was a couple that I really, to be honest, um, didn't want. Not to say that there weren't that all that each category didn't have a worthy, you know, four worthy uh, nominees, but some of them I just honestly there there was separation, you know, for me between maybe a top one or two and the bottom one or two, and that's just kind of how it goes. And so there was some where I was like, man, I hope the fan vote doesn't skew that because I think that would be unfortunate for some of the teams, and I I didn't really see that. Um, J.C. Smith honestly was the one where the more I thought about it, the where I wanted to, and it was obviously really, I mean. It was close. There were some some split thoughts on that between her and Kelly Larkin and even Lauren Barber. And um, but I was I was happy she won. And to be honest, even though it was co-champions, uh, I was pretty happy that Air Force Air Force Rifle was the one where I was like, ah, I don't think they're gonna maybe get enough love because it's the rifle team. Um, but once again, they're national champions, so um, so I was happy to see them at least pull out co-champion. So good stuff. And we and by the way, because this was brought up on Twitter. We do concede that they did not win the overall national championship. Right. We are totally aware of that. But they still won one event. It's the, it's just as good as in track and field if you win one event, but your whole team doesn't right. go to win. Um, and the way that they did it was still a masterful performance because they came in on day one and were behind and then came in in day two and ended up winning it. So we're totally aware of that. They still have a national championship trophy with the nice little NCAA <laughs> logo on it, and we know yeah. that. So. Yeah, I mean, that, like you said, that was brought up on Twitter. Um, and that was that was – I think I was trying to fit enough characters in the tweet, and so I didn't actually say Air Rifle National Championship or whatever for that. But we had explained it. Kayla had explained it in her article, um, and we had, I think, even talked about it on the podcast before, you know, last time that it was the Air Rifle team. The small bore team had kind of um, gotten behind a little bit on day one. I yeah. think they were in, what, fifth, fifth place after day one? Um, and so yeah. they tied TCU, but they had 10 more um bullseyes or whatever than tc yeah. did which I, th- I think is pretty impressive to to pull out the national championship in air rifle so okay good stuff well um for once well, i don't think we went too crazy long before our first break yeah we're actually going to make it i think under 15 minutes um so we're going to take a quick break we'll get you a, a an sb nation commercial in there and then we'll be right back when we come back from the break you're going to hear kayla and coach jeff munkin so i know you've been waiting for that Um, Great discussion leading into football season, and we're going to use that to kind of kick off our football podcast coverage moving into uh, on the other side of that. So uh, we'll catch everybody on the other side of that commercial. I kind of want to start off just a little bit of overview. You know, I know um, Army football had an awesome season um, this past year, broke a, a lot of school records, you know, finished in the top 25 ranked. How do you kind of follow up um, on that type of history, on that type of performance, um, knowing you know the expectations for Army football is increasing, increasing. Um, you know, people are aware of of how great these service academies are playing. How how do you kind of answer those questions? 
all we're trying to do is improve as a program, improve as as a team, and and try to maximize the potential of this team. The, the 2019 team is certainly a different team from 2018. We lost some seniors off of uh, off of last year's squad, and and uh, and I and I think just the experience of of coaching in college football, you realize that every team is different. They all have a different personality, different leaders, and uh, and hopefully our guys are hungry enough and and motivated to to try to get better. And and we talk to the guys about that all the time about how important it is to to not let complacency creep in and and start to feel like we're winning because uh, of any other reason other than the fact that we, we, we play really hard and try really hard and care a lot about each other. And that's how we've won, and that's how we've got to continue to, to do it to be able to have success. So it's really pushing that same agenda with our team, and, and hopefully there's, uh, there's buy-in there. Awesome. For you, and, and you kind of just mentioned this, noticing uh, losing some seniors but also you know gaining a, a breadth of, of new teammates, noticing uh, kind of some differences in playing into that. Uh, do you have any sort of concerns or things you're thinking about it in terms of, you know, Kelvin Hopkins, you know, moving up again, of course, going into the new season, also adding uh, more guys on the team? Anything you're kind of thinking about um, now with the addition of more players? Oh, every time you, you you lose seniors and add new freshmen, it changes the team and changes the dynamic of each position group. And and that's that's one of the fun things about college football is is just the the development of the team each year. You can't sign them to new contracts, and and uh, you know you're not going to have the same team year after year after year. It, it's uh, it's people development and and team building, and I really enjoy that part of of my role. And uh, and we're excited about the new guys coming in. I, hopefully, we'll have some some young players that can contribute, but I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about having guys in our program that have played that, uh, that have some experience and have been in games that we're going to be able to count on as the nucleus of, of, of the, the travel roster, the guys that are, that are actually out there playing and, and uh, contributing on Saturdays. Definitely. I kind of want to talk something, um, you know, about the upcoming season and your guys' schedule. Um, some awesome teams, of course. Michigan, I'm, so, I'm sure so many, um, you know, Army fans as well as the players on the team are excited. Coming off um, of last season, an awesome game against Oklahoma um, and kind of adding, um, you know, a, a bit of a, a distinctive feel to your guys' schedule, some, some really awesome schools. Is there anything different that you're thinking about um, in terms of training and in terms of fall camp to prepare uh, to play against a team like Michigan or any other, um, you know, repeat teams that you guys have seen in the past season? We're thinking about one thing, and that's how to beat Rice. And that game will be that game will be challenging and tough enough for us. So we're focusing our, our efforts entirely on them and preparing for that game and trying to, to play the best we can and, and find a way to win that game, and then we'll worry about the next one. And, you know, as for the game in Oklahoma, I know a lot of people feel like that was, uh, you know, a, a, a real step in the right direction for our team. But we lost the game, and and frankly, I felt like we had chances to win it. And there were things that we could have done 
plays that we could have made and credit Oklahoma. They made the plays that they needed to make to win the game, but we certainly had some opportunities that, that, uh, that we didn't take advantage of and made some boneheaded mistakes and uh, certainly would have liked to have found a way to win the game. And that's what matters. So, and in the end we lost the game. And I think a lot of people look at the Michigan game and people get excited about playing these power five teams, these teams that are ranked in the top five in the country. And we've done that a bunch. We played Ohio state a couple of years ago. We played Penn state. We've played some, some, some big programs that, uh, Notre Dame and Stanford, some great teams, and uh, you know, we we want to win the game. That's that's the bottom line. So right now, Rice is our focus. That needs to be, and that's healthy for our team. We'll we'll take them one at a time. Gotcha. Kind of moving forward to talk a little bit about just you know overall coaching staff. A, a couple people kind of coming in. Can you talk a little bit about um, you know what Boo Corrigan has, has meant to Army athletics? And now with Mike Buddy coming on, um, kind of what's the atmosphere like? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? What are you excited uh, to moving forward now um, with him being uh, on the Army Athletics team? Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got uh, a part to play in the success of a program. And, and that's certainly the case with the director of athletics and 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 my job and our staff, the uh, – the head coach oftentimes gets a lot of credit and they, they attach wins and losses to the head coach's name, but it's a team effort. It's everybody. I can't coach all 22 guys myself. I'm not qualified or capable. And, and so we've got a great staff and they all work really hard. They're terrific coaches. They, they recruit, um, in, in our, our, constantly thinking about how we can get better and that's the case with our administration too they they have a huge part in 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 putting our team in position to win whether it be you know facilities or resources scheduling whatever it may be um and 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 that's the case with with uh with boo and and now with mike and um you know the thing i love about army and just the attitude here, it's its all about the team and putting the team first. And kind of going on that in terms of just coaching and, and everyone that's involved, like you said, it's not just you alone. Um, any specific expectations or thoughts that you have uh, with Coach Luce taking over um, and, and moving into that uh, full-time defensive coordinator position uh, coming into the upcoming season? He'll do a great job. He, uh, he's been on the staff with us for five years. And just the the consistency of the scheme, the calls, and how that helps our football team, our defense, uh, our players, and being able to play fast and play with confidence. I think that was that was key. He's he's different than Jay. Uh, they're different personalities, and and uh, will be different leaders. He'll see things and call things a little differently, but for the most part, it's it's the Army defense, and I'm excited that, that we've got some, some consistency there. Last question. He's an outstanding coach. I mean, he's called a lot of games, a lot of college football games as a defensive coordinator, so the experience uh, certainly isn't lacking there. 
uh, last question for me, of course, I'll ask if you have anything else to add. You know, going into the summer, um, kind of everyone, you know, has other agenda things that are going on. You yourself, you know, being able to enjoy time with family. How do you keep the team um, dialed in, um, ready to kind of come back, you know, and work once it's time and kind of keep keep their heads in the game as well, even, you know, as players and cadets are kind of moving and, and being a part of different programs throughout the summer? Our guys just got back uh, from their summer military training today so this was uh this was the first workout we had as a team where, where most teams and programs have nine weeks in the summer uh together we have five so it's pretty unique and it doesn't give us a lot of time to get ready but i think that also puts a sense of urgency on the time that we do have our guys are very focused and uh and very self-motivated uh, each one of them individually to to do their part to play their role, and hopefully that's the culture of our program, that each guy feels compelled to want to help the team win and do the best he can to uh, to to do his part so that we can have success as a group. And and so that's uh, that's something I really like about our team and the culture that has been developed here over the, the time I've been here. I'm proud to hear, uh, like I said, that you know that culture and and um, that the cadets are involved in so much, and, and even with the short time, you guys are are working uh, to make sure that you're prepared for the upcoming season. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, what kind of you're excited for, looking forward to, um, you know, as another school school year comes uh, to pass in the coming months? I'm always excited for the new season, and uh, it's something I look forward to. As soon as that bowl game was done in uh in fort worth and and we were celebrating the victory over houston i was already looking forward to the 2019 season and thinking about what we needed to do to get ready and that's that's the great thing about being in this profession and being a part of a team like this that uh you you always have something to look forward to the next season to look forward to and and uh so i can't wait to get started i love our guys and and uh I'm, 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 there's certainly no lack of motivation or excitement on my part, and, and I think that's going to be the case with our team. So we're, uh, like I said, going to get ready for Rice and, and hopefully uh, give ourselves the best chance to win that game and take them one at a time all the way through. Thanks a lot. All right, welcome back from that interview with Jeff Munkin. Uh, Kayla, thank you for, for, do, for setting that up and for doing that. I think that was really cool, really cool to hear from Coach Munkin on uh, as he preps for coming off the best season ever, you know, win wise at least in Army history. So, anything that you kind of wanted to wrap up on that that conversation you had a couple days ago with him that, that stood out maybe after you know thinking about it? Yeah, no, it, it was an awesome conversation. Um, great to have him kind of in retrospect thinking about the past season. Um, of course, I think myself, a lot of us had discussed, and I'm sure a lot of other fans and just in general were thinking about um, a lot of. Last season's performance, specifically with Oklahoma, also with Duke, but especially that Oklahoma game going into overtime. And, of course, I think when we we kind of play the kind of like, you know, big little giant, you know, game in our head, we're thinking, you know, what is he thinking about now going into next season? We know they're playing Michigan. Um, but for him, you know, he talked about it's game by game. They're thinking about Rice right now, which is the first game, and they'll take it. They'll take it in stride. Um, he did mention that he did really think that they could have taken that Oklahoma game, and there were some mistakes, and they're going to work on that in the future. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. 
um, and the playbook for them kind of going forward. But it was a great conversation, and I'm excited to kind of get in his ear and, and see a bit of his philosophy. Uh, definitely passionate about Army football, as we know, passionate about his players and, and a really talented team, um, especially losing a couple cadets. Um, you know, we've got some promotions on, on the coaching staff, so there's kind of a lot of movement going on. But he, he seems like he's got everything, you know, <laughs> you know squared away, uh, for lack of better terms, and, and moving forward. So it should be a good interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Sorry, there, you might have to cut that out. There was my Skype messed up there for a second. So, no worries. Um, yeah, no worries. We'll cut that part out. But yeah, I mean, I think that. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, cool to hear his kind of his take in the Oklahoma game. I'd love to get more, even more, de- even more details from him on what he thought. You know, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm trying to recall that in my mind, and I, and it was, it was, it's not hard to do because it was such a great game. And for me, watching Army football, I don't know many other Army only games that I can remember. Um, as vividly as that, but on offense, you know, they executed about as good as they could in that game. Um, and on defense, it was just trading back and forth, right? Army's trying to hold the ball and stall, yep. you know, keep time of possession. Um, and Oklahoma is basically scoring at will when they get the ball, but they had the ball for less than a quarter, basically, of the time yep. uh, of the game. Um, so obviously, I'm guessing de- a defensive stop or something probably is where he felt like. Uh, I don't remember where maybe that, that would have come out, but uh, I'm sure that's what he's talking about is, you know, if they could have just gotten a defensive stop there um, in that second half, uh, you know, that, that maybe they don't want to worry about going to overtime and they can just pull it out and hold the ball and win. And But, yeah, I mean, to think that they were that close um, and we can debate this Army scheduling um, that will save that for another, another time, kind of how they've set up their schedules. Although when we talk AAC, I bet that comes up as part of the conversation. Right. Um, but, you know, the way they do have it scheduled kind of going in the future is they are kind of getting the, this one marquee game um, non-conference against a big opponent. Um, and this one is Michigan in the big house this year. So you got Oklahoma last year. They got so close, and they're going to get a chance against Michigan. Um, I know he downplayed that in the conversation you had with them, but, you know, obviously it's got to be in the back of their minds that they got that close to a, a top-five type team in Oklahoma. Um, and a large part of the team is back, so – um, to get another chance against a team like Michigan in the big house. They've obviously got to be excited about that. Definitely. All right. So what I'd like to do is, like, let's let's talk. We're going to start. This is it. Let's kick into football season. Um, and when you talk football um, and then you break, I mean, it doesn't matter what offense you're talking about. The quarterback is obviously the most important player on the offense, you know, I, I, in a lot of ways. Um, but then when you talk triple – uh, or option-based uh, offenses, you know, not that it's m- more perhaps, but uh, and obviously O-line's got to block. You got there's a lot of things, and everybody's got to do their jobs. But uh, the quarterback plays an important role, being able to make reads, make the right pitch, keep the ball, you know, keep handoff of the fullback, um, add the passing element. So the the quarterback plays obviously a very important role in the offense. So no better place to start, I think, in our position breakdowns on the podcast than to talk QBs. Um, so I want to kind of get y'all's takes on the different quarterback rooms once again i'll speak for navy um and scott i want to start with you just because i think air force has the best situation but also the the, perhaps the toughest situation heading into the season as far as the depth of their quarterback room um and the overall talent in the quarterback room so i'd love to get your take heading into and i know we can't ever read anything because calhoun never gives us you know any uh, actually pulled up the depth chart and it's they do have a depth chart but it's only a two deep not a three deep Most, most teams have a three deep and 
Uh, and it's the only position on the depth chart that has co-starters. Um, so he's not giving us anything, right? It's either Isaiah Sanders or Donald Hammond III. So, yeah, give us your, give us your take, man. What's, what's the deal heading into the season? Yeah, just, I guess, shot out of a cannon. Um, I really do not have any preference as to who is the starter. I don't think that there is a clear answer as to who's better, but I think that it's critical to Air Force success to get out and establish that leader. I think that last year we had a lot of close losses. We had a lot of late game, almost comebacks that kind of happened. And really what the issue came down to was game management and a lack of leadership. And and it's no fault of the players, in my mind, um, when you have kind of a revolving door of quarterbacks. And last year we obviously started out the season with Arion Worthman. And then we kind of went back and forth on Isaiah Sanders and Donald Hammond. We also had some injury issues, but uh, right now as they stack up, I mean... If you look at their passing, both of them had really similar uh, pass completions. Isaiah Sanders is a slightly better passer. Um, He completed 61% of his passes, while Donald Hammond had 52. Um, On the ground, Donald Hammond is a little bit stronger, if you will, but I think that, um, and, and, but just the way that Isaiah Sanders kind of stands in the pocket is really something that's impressive, but one of the things that it really that I really look to for this season for success is it's gonna be the kind of person when you run triple option and you're running the clock down and you have to deal with really clutch situations where no we absolutely need to score. It's gonna come down to do we have a two minute drill in place and who are you more confident in putting the ball in their hand? Um, and if we look comparatively to I always like to look to, to both Army and Navy to whoever's doing better and kind of see how we stack up. Um, just in terms of how we do business. And I think that one of the biggest differences that you see between Calhoun and Coach Munkin and the way Army does it is Army is a complete open book. There's no secret to Coach Munkin's success. He says exactly what he's going to do, and that's it, and it works. And so I think that us kind of reverting back to, oh, we're going to be secretive, we're not going to name the quarterback, uh, or are we going to be going to the air, or are we going to be keeping it on the ground? I think that that's really a tough sell for me. So as it stands right now, I do think that it's. Um, I think we're probably going to end up sticking with Donald Hammond because we do want to stick to our roots and stay as a triple option, mostly ground team. Um, but you know, if Isaiah Sanders was able to bulk up a little bit, if he was able to get his running a little bit tighter, um, then there's still him. But really, I can't even make a guess. Like if you had to, if you had to make me put money down on it. Um, I wouldn't be able to give you a guess, but I also do know that we have a really strong preppy coming in. Um, so could he potentially be in the conversation? Maybe, but we haven't really heard anything on that front. So as of right now, it's just kind of that two-person competition, and I just think we'll see. But the biggest thing that I do want to look to is how open and honest the coaching staff is going to be with the team and with the media as to what they're doing at the quarterback situation. Yeah, it's funny because talk about the secret kind of secretive nature and Tell me if I'm like out to lunch here, but on the depth chart, I'm looking at it right now, and they're both listed right as co Isaiah Sanders or Donald Hammond III, but they're both listed at 6'2", 210. Those guys are not the same size, right? <laughs> no, not no, they're really not. I think, and like I said, it, it also might be kind of a thing where just the way that their playing style, they look a little bit different. I know they are they are pretty similar to that. I think uh, Donald Hammond is a little bit stockier, um, and I think that Isaiah Sanders is maybe a little bit taller and a little bit leaner. Um, but there is something the way that Isaiah Sanders, when you see him, you can see it from the booth on game film, how he just stands tall in the pocket, he plants his feet, and he throws the ball confidently. So I think... 
Um, that is definitely maybe a little bit of a trickery thing, but it's also it's also yeah. hard to say because you never know what these guys are doing in the off season. The That's way true. That when you're out there and when you're training at the academy, um, guys will gain and lose 10, 20 pounds. I don't know if they're gaining or losing height out there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they'll they'll gain or lose weight like crazy. So that. We'll have to true. see. I mean, and that's that's a horrible thing. And we'll talk more about it when we get into the to the AAC discussion about my thoughts on it. But I just think there's something about the way our schedule is laid out that we need to come in day one, the first game of the season, and not have rust. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you hit on really good points there on the consistency and just having a leader in that, that position um, and in that role. And... Um, and that, you know, you, have, so it's like the, the, the positive is right. If, if you have an injury or something, which can obviously happen as a quarterback gets beat up in the option, um, of the three teams, you have to feel pretty good about, you know, where you go from there, right. At, at number two, um, whoever that ends up being, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they both kind of bring different things. I think, like you said, Isaiah maybe stands in the pocket is more of kind of a, I don't know, like in control of the offense, whereas Hammond is more of a gamer, if that makes sense to me. That's what I see when I you know, see him, you know, um, and just, uh, you know. So let me ask you three, like, rapid-fire, real quick questions uh, on that. Um, it, and the first two will be the same, but just for the, the, the different, you know, Hammond or Sanders. So Donald Hammond III is a starting quarterback game one because if that's what happened, he's the starting uh, game one. Because of what? Yeah. I would say it's because... That's a really good question. Um, probably just some kind of camp stats. Okay. Like, I'm sure they absolutely track it. I think it has to do with probably he's able to get the most yards. He's able to fight for the most. Um, and really in those tight situations, those those third and twos, he's able to get make those conversions, and that's what they're looking for. Say so on the flip, Isaiah Sanders is the starter week one because... Uh, because we would want to be a little bit more creative and we want to keep the defense guessing as to whether or not we're going to be throwing or running the ball and having, and we also have confidence that to me would mean that we have confidence in our O-line and our receivers. Last one. You mentioned the two minute drive. Who does Scott trust the most two minute drive game on the line between those two, having seen them play kind of evenly split last year? Uh, I got to say Isaiah Sanders in that case. Because I mean he's just Fair more enough. dangerous. Um, yeah, so I think uh, you know we we can maybe all three of us agree that they have the best total room situation there, which is what makes it interesting. But that that dynamic I, had an effect on the team last year and potentially um, could have you know an impact if they can't find one person to stick with them again this year. But but a good situation to have with two capable starters. So Kayla, let's go to Army um, because. This is just my personal opinion, trying to be unbiased, kind of given that Air Force room overall, number one. Um, Army, I think, if you look at what Kelvin Hopkins Jr. did last year, um, it's kind of hard to argue that at the number one position at, as the starter, um, that, that he's the guy between the, the three rooms. Um, so we can talk, you know, you can tell me, tell me about um, what he may be looking to improve on heading into his senior season off of, you know, his first full year as a starter and, and how great they were last year, but... Uh, you start to look at the the depth chart behind that. Cam Thomas left uh, West Point, and he was the he was going to be the backup guy. And now they got yeah. uh, basically no experience behind Kelvin Hopkins Jr. So maybe talk a little bit about Hopkins, but then kind of um, yeah. I mean, what are we expecting out of the, out of the rest of the depth chart, and what happens if Kelvin Hopkins goes down for any reason? 
Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting because I feel like um, different from Scott, we kind of have an opposite sort of situation where it might be a negative to where um, Air Force is kind of figuring out who is going to start. And there's two, there's kind of not a lot of consistency where it's us. You Like you said, we know what Jeff Munkin is going to do. We know they're going to run the ball. We, we already know Hopkins numbers. Like we know he can run fast. We know that they've kind of you know, there's always something to improve on, but they've kind of figured out, um, you know, that triple option um, kind of sauce for them and kind of what works and what doesn't. And so I think my worry is getting a little bit too comfortable because we did lose Darnell Woolfolk. We did lose Andy Davidson. So I think for them, um, kind of seeing who's going to be that backup in the event, um, you know, we don't want injuries. We don't that, want that to happen, but it, it can. It can happen to any team. Um, so who is going to be, who are they developing, you know, most in the meantime, who who are they kind of looking towards? Um, Kel Walker, I think, and Kelvin Hopkins definitely need to continue to strengthen their relationship. Um, both Kel and Connor Slomka performed really awesome last season, but I think it's going to be kind of, like I said, tightening up those relationships between them on the field, um, but also not getting a little bit too comfortable because I think um, it's it's kind of hard because they it seems like they have kind of have this um, – combination down which works but like I said when that's it also seems it's you know you know what you're going to do and that's what you're going to run with every time it kind of seems like you can can predict it Um, and so when you're going up for example like a game against Michigan you know in the big house is that something that you want to kind of pull out or you kind of stick to your gun so I I don't know it's interesting because I feel like we have an opposite problem when I want to say a problem I just feel like it's something necessarily to think about because it's great that they kind of have this groove but you don't want to get too comfortable. Now we have no guys with any playing time experience, like none. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, you're, that's just kind of how it's going to be. Um, given you know we can talk about the departure um, of their number two guy, and and so you got Jabari Laws came out of the spring as the number two guy on the depth chart, um, sophomore out of Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Christian Anderson, a junior from the Bronx, is third, and Tyre Tyler. I think that's how you say his first name. I could be wrong there, and so I'm sorry if I am. But um, another sophomore, I remember from the spring game, he might have had the most impressive spring game out of everybody not named Kelvin Hopkins. And he's yeah, out of listed, everybody. Um, listed at, at four on the depth chart. He had a couple of nice touchdown passes and runs in the spring game. Um, so maybe that signifies that they've got pretty good, capable guys you know, backing up uh, Kelvin Hopkins, and, and they're comfortable with, with what they have. Um, moving forward but yeah you're exactly right I mean it's not a problem as long as Kelvin Hopkins is is healthy and um, and hopefully he is I mean I want to see the guy have another tremendous season Um, and you know there's already been some talk uh, at least from the O-linemen on Twitter and stuff I mean trying to get a Kelvin Hopkins for Heisman uh, a K-Hop for Heisman campaign (laughs) going we may be a little premature there but if you go into the to the big house and and upset Michigan somehow and have another run like you did Last year, I mean, he put up good numbers, and there's we've we've obviously seen it with Keenan, um, Keenan Reynolds, yep. fifth in the Heisman a few years ago, and that's kind of what they were doing. They were comparing, looking at numbers from Hopkins' junior season versus Keenan's junior season, and and trying to say like, hey, you know, let's start going ahead and pushing K Hop for Heisman. And yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously no question the number one guy. So um, I think it's a good point that you made too that um, that if that's the case and you don't have tons of you know backup experience there and you're trying to avoid complacency like it's going to be on Connor Slomka and Kel Walker and Artis Hobbs you know and all those guys to to step up and the offensive line um you know lost a couple guys too so that's another one and we'll, we'll do more position breakdowns but obviously yes Army 
quarterback room, Kelvin Hopkins Jr. We're looking for him to build off of that junior season and continue to carry carry Army um, in his senior campaign. All right, so Navy, that's me. Um, Navy is an interesting one, right? Because uh, I'm still not sure. Uh, you know, because we had the Malcolm Perry experiment that came in, you know, end of last, end of sorry, end of two seasons ago, kind of came in full force after he's inserted and. In, uh, I believe it was the SMU game, and just goes off, and then, um, and then Zach A.B. comes back, but then Zach A.B. gets hurt, and he gets the basically, you know, plays the Army Navy game as a starter, and then uh, you know dominates against Virginia in that bowl game um, as a starter in the military bowl, uh, and so then it's you know, but then we're we're back to the you know, is Malcolm Perry best at quarterback, or should he be the slot back? And so he, he, we bounced all over the place, right? Um, and then he ends up back at quarterback um, last year, and uh, and then back at slot. I mean, it's just been all over. And uh, so going into this off season, uh, I thought Malcolm Perry was going to be a slot back. Honestly, heading before spring ball, and they were going to give Dalen Morris a chance, who is a very talented junior from Huntsville, Alabama. He went to Buckhorn High School for his first three years, which is Austin and I's other roommate, Daniel Staten's. Uh, alma mater buckhorn high school in, in huntsville alabama uh and then he he transferred to madison county but he was a very very he ran the triple in in high school and was very uh well thought of and was supposed to be like the next guy um and so my big thing and I, you guys can give me any opinions or thoughts you have but my, my thing going into this is now we're back to malcolm and now they're talking about how do we tweak the offense which is the same thing they've been talking about to suit malcolm's you know style he's got blazing speed Fastest guy on the team, um, can make anybody miss. You know, is slippery when running, but can he can he keep up a, a full season of workload as as a QB? I mean, he is he's a small guy. He's he's definitely bulked up some, but he's still you know five nine one eighty five on the depth chart. And uh, I'm sorry, he's not a good passer, and I, I don't really know I know the way to say that. Um, I'm you know I just he 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 it, it has made for a very predictable um, Navy offense the past couple of years when he's been in there because he's just not been a threat to throw the ball in and hopefully he has improved on that. Um, so maybe just give me maybe you guys' takes as Air Force and Army guys thinking about facing now Malcolm Perry. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be like he's the guy. Um, they've gone back to that and they're trying to adjust. And it, for me, it's two things, like this back and forth thing. I hope Malcolm has a tremendous senior season. He still had a, an incredible career. He's still going to probably go down top five rushing yards all time in, in Navy history. Um, and he's had some incredible touchdowns they are fun to watch, um, but he hasn't been consistent. And that even more scary to me is, does that signal that the coaching staff didn't think Dalen Morris was prepared enough to, to assume that role and keep Perry at slot back. So I don't know. What do you guys think about facing Perry, uh, you know, again, for, I guess the third year, depending on which team you are, cause he's bounced around so much, but, what do you think? Scott, what do you think? I think he's going to come back a lot stronger. Um, I think Navy really thrives when they have an established uh, quarterback. And I think that goes back to, I mean, think about how they've been. They love naming that one guy and making him really captain the team. And this goes back to even before, but like I think about Ricky Dobbs, like uh, Keenan Reynolds, guys like that. And that's really when they thrive. I think last year was a little bit of a wash for them because of the confusion. And then, I think, I think I don't know, Zach Aby was good. He came up a little bit short, and then his whole position switching and that kind of thing. But I think that if 
Um, if Malcolm feels like it's his team, again, I'm really big on that, and maybe I'm just projecting because of Air Force's problems, but I feel like if he feels like it's his team and Coach Niamatololo is a very smart guy, um, he, he knows what it takes to really give his quarterbacks the tools they need to succeed, I think they're going to be... I don't know necessarily know that they're going to have everything figured out, but I think they'll be a lot more threatening than last year, and certainly we won't have a repeat of the Navy Air Force game from last year. And if Air Force is going in with any kind of expectations um, of having something, kind of a repeat to that, then I think they're going to be in for a rude surprise. Yeah, so. and go ahead, Kayla. I think it's kind of similar to that. I know, um, so Ivan Jasper had said in an interview earlier this year that they thought switching him to that uh, slot back position was a little bit kind of like premature. So I feel like putting him kind of, it's kind of similar in the way that Army is doing is is building this offense about around one specific player, right? So when you, you encounter that, but then you have that player switching around, then you have kind of you know, create problems for yourself um, and kind of disenfranchisement between the team. So I'm feeling if you start him off early, like we said, in that quarterback position and keep him there, then he gets a little bit more comfortable. And I feel like learning from kind of the mistakes of last season, even though, like Scott said, Zach A.B. in kind of falling off near the end of the season did perform well, but he hasn't had time to really kind of like put his feelers out there and kind of ground himself. Um, and I feel like when you're coming up against and you know bias or what have you coming up a team, for example, like Army that has that solidified person that they're always leaning in towards, then I think for Navy who kind of can do that similarly, that's what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And you know, even going back to that, I mentioned the military bowl. That made me think. You know, Zach Abe actually ended up coming in and having five touchdowns in that game. So for against Virginia, so Perry, even though he had had. He was showing those flashes, and then, yeah, you're right. Like Ivan said, hey, maybe we pulled the – and Ken, too, pulled the plug too early on the Malcolm Perry at quarterback with Zach Aby actually being the first one switching last year and then switching back and moving him to slot back and then back to quarterback um, all in one year. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's, that's not helping him, right? He needs that. And, and, and they've already kind of said that. Coach Ken has pretty much already said that. This is – he's going to be the quarterback this year. Um, barring injury, there's not going to be any of that. So they're designing the offense around him. He was named one of 14 captains that, uh, for Navy, so he's a team captain at the quarterback position, and he's going to be the guy as long as he's healthy this year. So there is that that piece where there will be consistency um, regardless unless things just go terribly wrong. you know. Um, so, so perhaps I am coming off of a down year and still being a little bit of a, of a pessimist. But, I mean, there's no doubting um, the talent level at all three starting positions um, between all three teams. And, and it should make, I believe, this is going to be me reversing to the optimist side. I mean, it, that excites me as, as a Service Academy football fan overall. And then obviously my team um, that, you know, we have, whether it's Hammond or Sanders for Air Force, Calvin Hopkins Jr. and Malcolm Perry as the starting quarterbacks this year. I mean, there's not a like weak link per se there. I mean, that should lead for some really good CIC games. So. I agree, I Any agree. final thoughts on the, the QB situations? No, I'm just, uh, I think it's interesting in, in me watching, especially more service academy football and seeing how they just work with that triple option. I think it's interesting to see how they make, move the players around. Um, and with Air Force and not really Navy, knowing that we have you guys have a kind of solidified quarterback to seeing how they choose um, is going to be interesting to watch. So I'm excited. Yeah. All right, so we're at, you know, 
already kind of pushing close to an hour here, but it's time to come back and talk AAC. So we're going to take one more quick break on the back end of this QB discussion. We're going to come back and talk about the hot topic, um, I guess, around college football in, in general, but certainly some service academy mentioned getting out there about the, the AAC situation with UConn leaving. All right, welcome back uh, to the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, we've had a great, great episode with our interview with Coach Munkin, some good discussion on the QB situations at all three teams looking forward to this season, which is going to be great. Um, and so now the the uh, Husky in the room, if you will, um, UConn, right, is leaving the AAC and heading back <laughs> to the Big East. Um, big time football or big time basketball move, right, for them uh, and other sports. I think overall their fan base is is happy happy um, about, about it. this. Yep. Uh, this move back to the Big East for them, but football, I don't really care to talk about UConn football, so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking UConn football, but football for them is going to be left on the the outside looking in. Uh, I believe the term, the quote that I saw was, if they thought they were going to stay as a, as a football-only member of the AAC, then they are delusional, um, was the anonymous quote that I saw out there. Um, so the AAC has no interest in keeping them as a football-only member. They're the worst team in the conference. They were 1-11 last year. They've been pretty bad um uh since randy edsel left and now he's back um but yeah so let's not spend time really talking yukon and that side of things because obviously for us the big thing is um there has been you know what does the aac do do they stay at 11 members uh do they move to 12 members uh and add another team to keep the divisions like they have um with six teams in each division and if so who do they add who's going to be at the top of their list and both air force and army have been mentioned um heavily across numerous outlets as as two of the top three basically um, targets the AAC should and would go after with BYU also being thrown in there. So um, I kind of want to get, I kind of want to look at it this way. Um, you know, let's analyze each team, uh, Army and Air Force, um, as, you know, viability for the AAC. Um, obviously we'll have some discussion on what Navy would think of that for either one and, and whether it's a good move or not and whether it's even really feasible. Um, and then after that kind of talking, um, should the AAC stay at 11 or go to 12? It sounds like their plan right now is to stay at 11, but you know, um, is that the right call? I guess. So, um, yeah, I mean, who wants to go first? You want to do army or air force first? I don't care. I'll go ahead and go. Um, I think it's, I think kind of the big, the two biggest points that I kind of wanted to point to is specifically how this helps the AAC at all. And I think coming off of a season like Army did, um, and if you're a conference like them, then that brand awareness, that record, that season, and that performance is something that you want to hold on to. And I think that's that's great. I also looking at their schedule this year. Um, you know, we play Tulane. We've played. Uh, you know, we have. Army, we played Houston. We all know how that went. So it's not something that I think some of these opponents in this conference is not something that Army can necessarily not handle. I think it would be interesting to see them up against um, some of these Florida schools um, and some of these southernmost schools, especially kind of knowing the football culture a little bit more down there. Um, But also, I think, and we didn't really get to talk about this with Coach Munkin, but I think that there's an interesting point in kind of how they can create their schedule as an independent when they are a part of conference USA, they finished nine. They did not finish well. <laughs> so I don't really know how being a part of kind of this, this new setup would work well for them. I also don't know how that army Navy matchup works in sort of branding, you know, 
is that going to be good for them getting more visibility? Because I personally, I don't really, I don't want to say I take too much issue with having that CBS Sports Network, um, you know, agreement. I personally don't really like it, but there are some really big games that you're going to be able to watch on Fox on um, NFL Network this season that are going to be great. So I feel like the AAC can take better advantage of that in terms of visibility and, and kind of getting Army on a bigger stage which is, I think, what a lot of people were kind of looking for coming off this past season. Um, so I don't think it would be a premature move for them, but I don't know if that would put Army in a predictable position to where they don't really have too much control over their schedule. Yeah, I, so I think uh, I think this one's an easier conversation. And then, I mean, Scott can even weigh in on the Army thing too after, but I think this is actually the easier of the two to, to talk about as far as feasibility mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't think it's feasible, uh, mm-hmm. nor do I think Army would go for it. Um, and I absolutely know Navy wouldn't go for it. Um, you know, Chet's only one of 11 yeah. ADs, so he's not going to have the final call. But Navy would not be happy um, about this. And uh, there are several reasons. So, you know, the counter to your point about the schedule, um, Tulane, yeah, you guys beat, obviously. Houston, they were Ed Oliver wasn't playing, and they were down their court. They were down a lot of people, but still, seventy yeah. fourteen is is kind of absurd. Um, and so the it's so this is interesting because it's the same type of argument that SEC schools make or mm-hmm. have made forever, right? Ever. About like, yep. oh yeah, but if you played an SEC no, schedule SEC week school. in and week right. out, uh, then you wouldn't, you know, then Clemson wouldn't wouldn't be in the national championship because they wouldn't have made the playoff because they would have lost some games. You know, same yeah. thing they said about Florida State too, um, right, which right, I know right. that's that's your alma mater. It's a soft so, spot. <laughs> So it's kind of the same argument, right? It's like, oh, but if you, if they had to play an AAC schedule week in and week out, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they, would they have gone eleven and two? Probably not. They no. probably would have lost another game or two. But would they have been competitive for the West if they were in the West? And that, I mean, I think so. Um, so there's there's kind of that that piece. Um, but the 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 Army Navy game um, is a bit. Well, first you mentioned the schedule. Like, do they want to go give up the independence? They seem to like their schedule now. Um, or their flexibility in scheduling. But I'm still of the belief that at some point that gets old, not that Navy felt that way after all that success to, to lead them into the AAC, but um, there are obviously a lot of benefits to being a part of a conference too. One of those being uh, that New Year's Six Bowl game. I mean, yeah. uh, if Army is the best team in the AAC, then they're probably going, you know, last year, and they're not saying they would have been, but they're going to New Year's Six game, and so they don't really have access to that right now. Um as an independent G5 team. But the, the big thing is is the Army-Navy game, um, in my opinion, is that it, 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 what do you do with it? I mean, it's, it's the week after the AAC championship game, so um, you don't want, no one wants to move that game from that week. Um, right. And I know Scott, this is where we start to make Scott's like, he's cringing over there, but like that's, that's it. Like that's the only game that week. That's a staple. Um, if all of a sudden they're having to split conference revenue because it's a conference game with the other teams in the league um, from the Army, I mean, neither of those teams are going to want to do that. Um, so you're not going to want to move the game. Uh, it really can't be moved. And so then what happens if for some reason they're in separate divisions and um, and they're both, you know, at the top? Had, I mean, what happens to the championship game? Are you just going to not hold the championship? Like it, it just does. It seems really, really difficult um, to work around figuring out how to make army navy work with army if they join you know join the aac and so i think that right off the bat is almost a sh- i think we could have just stopped the conversation that's almost a showstopper right. in my opinion um no i, I scott, definitely any, agree scott you have any thoughts on the on army before we switch over to air force um yeah i mean 
like you said, it's not going to happen. It would take it would take somebody at Army who wants to watch the world burn, basically, <laughs> if that were yeah. to happen. And then uh, my my only thoughts, I guess, on if Army were joining that, if they did somehow make it work, and somebody who is more who is smarter than us, who has more plans than us, um, could make that work, I think it would be devastating to. Uh, Air Force, and I think that I, I think that as a school, because I think that we would fall so far behind in terms of cadets and midshipmen from Army and West or from West Point and Navy caring about us, that it would just not be good for any kind of rivalry that we try to promote, um, at least on the football field. And so that that is why I'm just like, no, this please, there there cannot be a way that this happens. Um, and so that's just my thoughts basically on army but i have a lot of thoughts on if air force were to go okay yeah i mean i and i agree with, but I, I just don't think it's it's happening so um all right i'm actually really excited for this conversation too and kayla same thing if you have any thoughts on the air force side we'll, we'll get to that too um obviously scott you get the the floor here first but i actually um am excited to talk about this because i think this is a much more interesting conversation um and feasible conversation <laughs> around the potential of air force joining the aac as much as a lot of people don't even want to hear me throw that out as a possibility yeah um so basically just just the kind of general consensus right now we got to look at first of all just to kind of calm everybody down look at where this rumor is coming from it was from somebody in new york who wrote about it and said basically that air force is the most appealing team uh to go i don't think air force is in a position right now um coming off the seasons they have had with a new athletic director um to switch conferences um but i mean it is kind of a possibility so what I did was I made sort of a list of pros and cons um, for joining the conference if you're Air Force. And so first and foremost, um, for me, and, and I guess this also kind of matters too because I was called on Twitter that I have like East Coast bias or that someone has East Coast bias. I am from the D.C. area, so I haven't grown up in a Mountain West culture, but I did live it um, while going to the academy. And then also just now um, kind of understanding Air Force football, I, I get the Mountain West conference aspect and what it would mean if we went there. So some of the pros, though, uh, in my mind, and this is a marginal kind of benefit, but I think personally that the bowl games are better. Um, the AAC has an has a bowl game against the SEC, which is extremely attractive to me, um, and they also have one against the AAC or the ACC, and then one at large. While the Mountain West really only has one Pac-10 bowl, and then a, a Big Ten bowl, and then the rest are like Conference USA and things like that. So. Um, that to me is a benefit. The other thing is, is that people have this misunderstanding, and this goes into the conferenceology of all of it. People say that Air Force has a good niche in the Mountain West, but I think that the, the Mountain West doesn't have a lot of culture. It doesn't have a lot of pride as a conference compared to the other ones. And so when we talk about regional draws, your average Air Force fan is not a Colorado Springs resident. It's not somebody who just lives in Colorado. It's not like that. It's mostly Air Force graduates. It's mostly active duty Air Force, people that just have ties to the Air Force in any way. And so let's look at some of the opponents that we have in the AAC. If we were to go down to play Tulane, we have Keesler Air Force Base near there, which is a huge young training base. SMU has Shepard, and then of course there's a ton of military in the Dallas area. USF, UCF uh, has Patrick and McDill Air Force Base. Temple up in Philly has McGuire. Uh, and then against Cincinnati, we have Wright Pat. And I think Air Force fans would travel extremely well to those games. So in terms of growing ourselves as a brand, I think that getting out of that idea that regionality is the most important thing and understanding who our fans are, it would completely alleviate any of those issues 
that people have said that, oh, we're just trying to be an East Coast team or we're just trying to get closer to Army and Navy. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that it would be completely fine in that aspect. Another positive, I think that the Navy matchup would mean more. And once again, it kind of gets us into that conversation of, well, how, what does this mean? And then when Navy and Army go to play in late December or in December, all it looks at is like, okay, this is just, you know, kind of a game. The other, the other service academy matchup mattered a lot. And I think that that's a good thing overall. Plus, it kind of feeds into that crazy delusion I put out there a long time ago that maybe Air Force one day in the distant future could potentially play in that Army-Navy slot one day. Um, another thing is, and this is a huge one, is better broadcasts and better time slots. So Air Force tends to play a lot of their games really, really late, uh, like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock kickoff sometimes. We play on the Mountain, Net Mountain West Network. There's not great TV deals. Occasionally we'll get something on CBS Sports or ESPN2 if it's one of those later games. But the AAC also has a nice big shiny contract with ESPN2, I believe. And they play a lot of noon kickoffs. So it would be early mornings, but I think that that's better in terms of visibility and getting those games out. Not just for Air Force fans, but Air Force fans kind of worldwide and who are all around the country and spread out. Um, and I know I kind of suffer for that living in the St. Louis area right now. It's hard to watch some of those games. So if we were on the AAC, I think that would be a lot easier. And then I think also what gets me excited about this is that it can potentially fix some of the issues that I think Air Force has. I think Air Force has a huge scheduling issue right now with the way that we do things. So we play that cupcake team during the first week. Uh, it's always an FCS team. And then right after that, we move into, we have a week off, and then we play our marquee matchup. This year, it's going to be against Colorado. And then we have a game, usually it's a conference game. I think this year it's against San Jose State, and then we roll right into Navy. So to me, by the time Navy rolls around, we don't even know what our team looks like because we had an incredibly easy matchup, an incredibly tough matchup, a conference game that doesn't tell us a whole lot. That's when we're really getting our legs under us, and then we roll right into the CIC game. So... That, to me, it's something that being able to rethink our schedule, going to play really, really tough teams could be a good thing um, with UCF and USF. And then, I mean, Cincinnati occasionally, like, sneaks up there. So I think those are really the list of pros. The only con, and it's a really, really big con, is that other sports will likely not join. So the teams that would be the most hung out to dry, believe it or not, we have a lot of teams that aren't in the Mountain West Conference. So some of our big money makers. Um, we have hockey, which is, I would say, probably our biggest moneymaker aside from football, is in the Atlantic Hockey Conference. Uh, wrestling is in the Big 12. We have lacrosse is out of the conference. Soccer is out of the conference. So the biggest people who I think would take the biggest hit, I think basketball could be devastating, and then baseball is not great either. But if the other teams had to go independent, um, I think they could potentially do well and rise to the occasion. Um, you know, track could do pretty well. Tra track could probably go to something um, like a Western Conference and and then swim and dive as well. And then there's a few other teams in there who would maybe have some issues. But if we could coordinate that with the athletic department and get the coaches on board, it'd be a lot of work, but I think it could potentially happen. And then something that this would be kind of a wrench thrown in that I think Think, and maybe you can talk me down and tell me this if this would even be a possibility because I didn't even know where to begin if it was a possibility. But could we maybe finagle some of our other sports into the Patriot League? Because one of the things that the Patriot League really prides itself on is being the second most selective conference uh, academically and with, in terms of graduation rate just behind the Ivy League. So that would to me would be a huge thing if we could get some of our sports in the Patriot League 
namely lacrosse. I think that would be a great thing, and then we could even potentially look into getting maybe a women's program. Um, and so, like I said, I think that there's really a lot, a lot going on, and it depends on your perspective, but from where I'm coming from, I think it'd be a great move, but potentially the things that would improve, we'd be dealing with a lot of other negative things. So um, for a school that seems pretty happy with the status quo, um, and we always have been, we're very reluctant to have new hires and fire people. We love having holding on to um, administrators and coaches for long, long periods of time. I don't think they would like this in one day. So that's kind of where I'm coming from on it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear your guys' thoughts. Yeah. Um, so you're actually your con was my biggest reason for kind of shifting my thought more to like maybe this for Air Force is not a bad idea um, because you mentioned the teams that are going to get hung out to dry. And honestly, that list is actually pretty small. I mean, um, you know, on the women's sports side, correct me if I'm wrong, but for most of the sports in the Mountain West, Air Force has not historically been competitive, right? I mean, as far as winning conference championships. Um, and so, yeah, basketball is going to get hung out to dry. But but <clears throat> there's some history in, like, you know, the WAC and the West Coast Conference and things like that where maybe overall it's a step back in competition for the basketball team and not as attractive and not as – close as you know regionally but still relatively close um but you have maybe it elevates those teams that haven't seen much postseason success towards potentially having that um but yeah they probably get hung out to dry but you you already said it i mean lacrosse is in the southern conference uh soccer is in the whack um wrestling's in the big 12 so like you're already kind of spread out uh to begin with and that kind of just made me start thinking about yeah i mean so if football went AAC, they're obviously a football only member, um, and the other in the Mountain West is like, sorry that you don't have enough left to stay here. So you end up in the WAC where the soccer is, or perhaps the West Coast Conference and soccer moves to the West Coast Conference. Um, is that the worst thing in the world for most of those sports that historically haven't really gotten to the point of being able to compete for championships? Um, and if you're Nathan Pine, you have, you know, you have less coaches to try and convince. Uh, of some of that because some of the teams and, and those teams that you mentioned are the big teams, right? Like hockey in the AHC, soccer uh, in the in the WAC, um, even wrestling some in the Big 12 and then lacrosse and the SOCON. Um, those are your other, you know, big time sports outside of maybe basketball and they're already not in the Mountain West. So they don't have to have some crazy, you know, change. And then, yeah, if you, I mean, the lacrosse, to the Patriot League thing is a whole nother, I think, separate conversation, but an interesting one. But um, that made me even, you know, just a little more receptive to the idea for for Air Force of, um, well, if you could pull this off, um, some teams inevitably are going to be hung out to dry, but that's just kind of that's just the nature of kind of a big decision like this. But in general, I don't think it has as much of an impact, um, perhaps, as I originally thought. So. See, I, I say hung out to dry. I, I maybe don't even mean that. I think what a better label would be putting them into a sink or swim situation. So like I said, it's it's got to be either joining a conference that maybe they could thrive in or even with some of these teams going independent. And yeah, I think the two teams that would have the toughest time uh, would be would just be basketball and baseball. But if, if we can get good coaches in the, and I think it could also be a good, like I said, this just isn't Air Force's attitude. We don't have pressure from boosters like we do at others at other big conference schools. Um, 
But maybe it'll light a fire under some of these coaches. Kind of say like, okay, tell me, tell me why. Tell me why you can't figure out a solution yeah. to this with another conference. And if the answer is, well, I, I just don't want to. It's just too much work. Okay, maybe it's time to find a new coach. You know, that comes with the territory. I think it's kind of a stern but fair thing. But I think that we're we're kind of getting to a point. And you said you said earlier about just getting bored with with army they kind of get bored scheduling their own seasons and just setting it up and, and predicting being able to say okay we're gonna go 11 and 2 this year here's one dirty little secret because army is uh independent they get a lot of flack for having a soft schedule air force actually has a lower rank strength of schedule than army does yeah. and that's mm-hmm. being in a conference so that to me really says something and the fact that no one's talking about it it's really going unnoticed and like i said happy with the status quo I had a question, and I wonder, do you think, well, I guess one, and I'm not familiar with this most, but do you know where most of the Air Force gets their recruits from football geographically-wise? Because that was my first initial thought hearing this is about the traveling thing, but hearing you explain it, I feel like it has more pros than cons in terms of, like you said, creating a culture. But I also feel like you're leaving um, – Wyoming, you're leaving New Mexico, you're leaving sort of this community of other schools to go and compete on the East Coast. Does that create like a, a weird like dichotomy with them kind of like jumping into this this group of schools who have created this culture? Not yeah. at all, in my opinion. And the reason why is because um, as much as I don't know if you've ever been out to the West, but there is just not a lot going on. Some people do drive down from Wyoming to go watch the Air Force game. Some people mm-hmm. do travel for some of these games. And the way that academies are set up, there's only a certain amount of um, people that can come from every state. I mean, granted, there are blue chips, so you can be an athlete in Florida and get your nomination from another state if it's left over and that all kind of works out. Mm-hmm. But we have them from everywhere. We have a lot of players from Texas, a lot of players from Georgia, a lot of players from Florida, California, those kinds of things. And in my opinion, and this might be a hot take because I don't have anything to back it up, but in my opinion, the best recruit out of Wyoming it doesn't hold a candle to a middle-tier recruit from the Miami-Dade area. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, I agree. I agree. I'll, I'll jump in on this one real quick, and then I'll come back to the kind of maybe one last football point, not just overall Air Force points um, on this, at least from my perspective. Um, but I just want to answer that question, Kayla, because that was my big thing when Navy joined the AAC because still people – or questioning was that the right move, um, and it still remains recruiting. That was a huge move for recruiting because now they're going, they're in Texas every year, right? Mm. Whereas they couldn't schedule, they couldn't guarantee that before. You go into a kid's living room in Texas now, and they're playing SMU, you know, every other year at SMU and Houston every other year at Houston, and those games just happen to alternate seasons. They're in Texas every season, um, and there's the same thing, Florida, right? With UCF and USF being in Florida, um, Ohio is a big state, playing Cincinnati, North Carolina with ECU. So by joining that conference, you can guarantee um, at least once in your kid's time or twice in your kid's time, you know, um, you're going to be playing in their home state. And I just looked, 21 kids on Air Force's roster from Texas. Oh, um, interesting. So I actually, think, huh. I actually think, if anything, it would be a benefit. Not Now, they obviously have more West Coast kids than Army or Navy does, but um, it's 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 a much more national recruiting thing for these three schools than any other school in the con- any other schools in the country. And so to be able to go to those hotbeds and have that presence and say we're going to play, uh, you know, within driving distance from your kid, uh, and he's going to get a hometown game every year, um, that's huge. So um, that's kind of my take on the recruiting yeah. thing. From a, just a football perspective, 
you know, there is a big leap between not, I mean, you just said strict the schedule, maybe even talent wise between the Mountain West and the AAC overall, but certainly revenue wise with the new deal between the Mountain West and the AAC um, for Air Force, if they were to do that, the competition level ramps up, but not to the point where they're going to be hung out to dry to use that term, Scott, right? Like they they can, they can go compete from day one. Um, against these teams and, and they're going to be competitive games. They're not like, that's, that's a win for the AAC compared to UConn leaving, right. Um, of that 12th team. And, um, I think the Navy air force game is workable where the army Navy game is not at this point for that. Um, and that, that would be huge for the AAC to have a CIC game in conference, um, you know, you'd either you'd either have to have both teams in the same division so that they play every year, um, meaning Air Force and Navy in the same division, or they're not in the same division so they play every two years as a conference game, and then somehow you work out some weird thing where they play each other in a non-conference conference game, if that makes sense, um, if they're in separate yeah. divisions. So that'd be a little weird, so maybe you just put them in the same division. Uh, right. Navy is already, you know, Navy in the West, Air Force in the West, and there you go. Um, but... To me, that would that would elevate, and you, and you're someone who's brought this up many times of trying to get that Air Force Navy and Air Force Army games to get more exposure. That would elevate that game, in my opinion. Um, you know, and and they'd still they'd have basically the same thing as Navy, right? Where they're going to get they're still going to be able to get the cupcake game, whoever they want for that. They're going to have Army, and then they'll have one other game that they can use as a marquee game as their three non-conference games, and then I mean, there you go. So, I think there are a lot of positives. There are definitely, you know, some negatives to think about too. Travel, um, but if you're in the West Division, you're going to Texas and Oklahoma, and you know, it, it's not that far. I mean, you're going to go to some East Coast teams too. But um, there's just a lot of positives to think about. But we got to wrap up. I know we're kind of running pretty long here. Um, but the last question is kind of, do you think, you know, what should the AAC do, not Air Force or Army? Um, so any very quick thoughts you guys have on staying at 11 or adding a team? in general, not, not specific, maybe to any specific teams. Uh, yeah, I think they, they need to add, I think, especially because it's just like, it feels like something is missing with UConn out. And as much as they aren't a football school, they tried to become a football school a little bit. That's, I mean, UConn is a nationally known name. And so I think there's going to be a little bit of a hole there that they want to fill. And then especially with the fact that they have, um, they have their TV deal with ESPN. Why wouldn't you want to get more games on TV and more games at your conference? So, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know who it's going to be. I, I've heard a little bit of talk about some schools like Old Dominion, who's picked up yeah. their pace a lot, and I think they beat uh, Virginia yeah, Tech this year. So um, I do know they're out there. I, I hope Air Force stays attractive, and I hope that at least someone at Air Force is receptive yeah. to I was going to say, I think that that TV deal is a, a big kind of breaker in terms of bringing on another team because I think that's going to bring a lot of visibility for whoever it is uh, that they decide to, to pick. Um, and kind of going with that big name, even more of a basketball school, with unrelated, but you have to fill that gap. Um, and I think they want someone uh, who's going to bring um, an interesting dynamic to kind of the schedule that they already have. Yeah, my thought is, um, I mean, they've already they've already pretty much said we're we're in no rush to move from eleven. They're going to they're saying they're going to stay at eleven. You know, or that's I don't think there's been any official you know announcement of that, but. Um, and I think that's okay for a couple of seasons. I think take your time. I think don't rush into picking someone just to feel like you have to have 12 and go pick someone from Conference USA, potentially, you know, ODU or, 
or you know somewhere that's going to have a, a big market georgia state even people laugh at that but like that's a huge market in atlanta yeah. and things like that so you you can take the time and see which which of those teams emerge over the next couple of years um and that's okay but I think eventually you need to get back to 12. I don't like the idea of getting rid of divisions and having – I just don't like that personally. I like having two division winners meet in the championship game. I understand the argument that potentially like in the AAC uh, East where you've had you know, you know, UCF, USF has been um, – you've had some pretty dominant teams on the, on the East side and, and on the West. I mean you've had good competition across, but if you have a, a division that's heavy um, like the SEC West, right, where um, – the, the argument being you're going to get potentially the two best teams um, and, and a more competitive matchup. And especially when you're talking New Year's Six selection, that could help. Um, but I just personally don't like the idea of no divisions and just kind of round-robining um, throughout. And so I think they need to get there eventually, but they can take their time. I think if that's the case, that's a clear signal that BYU is going to say no. More than likely, Army is is a no go, like we've discussed. And so, my kind of final thought is, if I'm Air Force, I'm right there with Scott. Like, someone Nathan Pine, step up and have that conversation at least. And if you determine that it potentially could be a very beneficial move, and there's obviously obstacles to overcome, at least be at the forefront of that conversation. And you don't have to you don't have to rush either. Like, let's take the next year or two to try and figure it out. But I mean, I'm not opposed to to Air Force and the AAC. Is where I'm at on this whole thing. All right. Any final thoughts? I mean, that was that was good. I was I enjoyed that discussion, yeah, guys. So I know we ran a little bit long tonight yeah. on the on the talking um, about that, but that's kind of what I expected with the AAC talk. Um, but that's good discussion, and obviously, it's not going to go away. We'll have more discussions on this probably in the future. Um, so, any other thoughts? Nope. Yeah. Good stuff. Good. Good conversation. Good thoughts. Um, once again. If you listen all the way to the end, uh, you know, hopefully you got something out of it. Thank you to Coach Munkin for, for joining us and being our first football coach uh, guest on the podcast. Awesome that Kayla got to have that conversation with him. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, all that. Give us a review, um, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Air Force Defense. United States.